Every doctor is concerned about your vital signs, but a good doctor cares about your overall health. Your website deserves the same care, and Hey Check It is here to help. Hey Check It is a website performance monitoring and optimization tool. It goes beyond just core web vitals to give you a full picture on how to optimize your website to give your users a happy experience. It includes AI-generated SEO data, accessibility scanning, and site speed checks with suggestions on how to improve, and a number of various other tools to help you. Start a free trial today at HeyCheckIt.com. Hey, Colleen. Good morning, Michelle. It's so nice to see your face again after seeing it in person last week at Founder Summit. I know. That was such a wonderful trip and just amazing that we got to spend that time together. I keep thinking about how awesome it was. Like, I feel like they've set the bar really, really high for conferences in general, especially post-COVID. Yeah, I also think I will be impressed if they can replicate that experience next year because everyone I know now wants to go. And mm-hmm. I think part of what made that conference so special was that there were it was capped at 150 people. And I'm sure they're going to get a flood of applicants to go next year. So I don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to handle that. Yeah, actually, I saw Tyler tweet that he was like, oh, like, what if we did this in other cities? Oh, like two a year? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, that Um, would be good. Maybe we should talk about like what made it so awesome and like kind of what our like what our takeaways from it. Oh, yeah, girl. I have so many takeaways. All the takeaways. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What were what what would you lead with? What made it so special for you? Besides me, of course. (laughs) (laughs) It's too easy. Um, Too easy. You know, so I mean, yeah, this is a really hard thing to like summarize. So I think it was first, I mean, it was just so nice being in the same place with other people who are doing the same thing. You know, I think we've talked about how, you know, we initially connected. One of the reasons was like, you were the only person I knew in my regular everyday life who also did this like weird internet business thing. Um, and there, there just like aren't that many people in this world doing that. So um, it's just like so nice to be around other people who are doing this and you're not only not only do you feel normal, but like it's such a good environment for like throwing around ideas. And like there was at one point when we were um, talking about like multiples for SaaS companies, like making a couple thousand dollars a month at one point, like on a on the bus to do the hot air balloon ride over Teotihuacan, like and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> breakfast so much and we're like you know what we should just like ask the bus like this bus full of people would know the answer to this question and have a perspective on this and and like um and so that was really really awesome and I feel like there's so many people who introduce themselves and then and then be like you know I'm so and so oh and I'm I'm so and so on Twitter and I'm like oh my god like <laughs> I've been tweeting with you for the past you know like couple of years and I'm finally meeting you in person and um and so that was really awesome and I mean just getting so many ideas going about things and also you know we had talked on our meta episode about how I want to talk more about negotiation because um, that's something I do a lot of and and sales but don't really talk about And then a speaker was sick on the second day and Tyler was like, hey, can anybody give a talk this afternoon? 
and like fill the spot. And I was like, yeah, all right, I can do a negotiation talk and workshop. Um, and, um, and, you know, just kind of, kind of jumped at it and it was, it was super fun. And I think, I think that the big thing I'm really thinking about, the, you know, that activity did with like the, 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 like the wheel where you had to like rate different areas of your, your life from like one to 10, like how they're yes. going. Yes. So there was, I think it was, um, like occupational fulfillment, like one to 10. Which is work. Right. Work. Yep. Spiritual, emotional, environmental, physical. physical. Did I already say social? I don't think so. Social. Yeah. There was like five or six different things. Yeah. That's six. Um, and I think we both had really interesting results from that. They, they were very different. Like ours were like almost yes. opposite one another. Opposite. Yeah. And really thinking about how like, you know, I like I gave like physical health like a one on that. Mm. Right. And the goal of this activity was, you know, you give each area a score of one to ten and then you set a goal of getting up two spots in the next 90 days. So mm. not going from one to ten, which is often how I do things, um, just like totally like balls to the wall focusing on something. Um but going, you know, from like one to three. And so it's like, how can you have a plan to go from one to three or three to five or or what have you in the next 90 days? Um, and I remember you saying when I was writing the book, you were like, dude, you're like moving so fast. Like you're going to run headfirst into a wall. Um, and I did. Um, and I haven't talked about that too much, but kind of like privately I've talked to some people who definitely had this had a similar feeling after launching things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just really, really thinking about, I mean, like literally even like today, like I got hiccups 30 seconds before we got on recording and I was doing literally everything I could to get them to go away rather than being like, Hey, maybe let's record another day instead. Right. Like I make work happen no matter what. Um, even if it's at the, um, the sacrifice of my my physical health. Um, and so I think that's something, you know, I really need to focus on. And and I think um, something Natalie from Wildbit said on stage was like, you know, if the founder isn't happy, if the founder isn't healthy, then the company um, can't flourish. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's something I really, really need to work on. And it's like kind of like work related, but it's like, it's not, but it also like it is in every sense of the word. So I think that's kind of been the thing I'm thinking about, but I don't, I still don't really know um, exactly where I go with that. Like actionable steps. That's what you're still trying to figure out. Cause if you want a I one is pretty bad. So, so if you want to go, yeah, one to it three. is. Yeah. I mean, I did order atomic habits, which is like one of those books that like I've never read before. You've never read atomic. I know I it's book. like one of those books. I feel like that. And like Ray Dalio's book are like, books that everybody around me read and like told me about and I read about so I felt like I read them but I didn't you know like I just didn't feel like I needed to because it's just everybody read it um but I'm like no I should yeah. probably like sit down and think about like not doing a whole scale turnaround which is like normally right. how I approach anything and is like just 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 yeah. way over the top yeah um but how you know how can I make small changes so that I don't get exhausted and like 
move on to something else and then that yeah. and which then exhausts me and then I move on to something else like it's I see a pattern here so um but yeah and I think I also saw you know a lot of people even if they were in different groups really struggling with the idea of like work-life balance and how do you you know how do, how do you make it so that work doesn't become too much of your identity and how when when you really love what you do like it's really hard to pull yourself away from it too right Yep. Um, I don't know. So I don't really have like I'm just kind of all that's just still really marinating in my yeah. head. Um, but it really, really got me going, and I think I really, really needed that push to like, um, I don't know, like I guess like prioritize my myself a bit. Um, that sounds great. I mean, it sounds like that. It's funny sometimes too how you you've probably heard that from me or your spouse or your other friends, but there was something about the environment where everyone was sharing and being open and vulnerable in that big group um that I felt really helped some of those points hit home because you saw so many people in the same situation you were in. Mhm. Mhm. And I mean, you're so so like you were totally opposite because so I yeah. had like a 10 for occupational. Like I feel like you know, for me, like, this is exactly where I want to be. Like, last week I spoke in, in, in Mexico City twice. This week I spoke in Copenhagen. I'm, you know, like, like I this is just sort of, and, like, the business is good. Like, everything is really good there. But, yeah. like, you for occupational, like, I think you had, like, a 10 or a 9 for physical health. But then yeah. you were much lower on occupational, and that was the group that you were in. Absolutely. Yep. I think something you mentioned to me, which I think is true and was kind of cemented meeting so many founders is like, I'm pretty good at taking care of myself socially, mentally, physically. I prioritize that. And so, yeah, all that stuff was good for me. Um, but yeah, my occupational score was lower. So my goal is to get that score up. What do you say? Two, two or three in the next 90 days. I'm just curious, what did you give yourself for occupational? I honestly don't remember. Probably like a seven. I love what I do. So I don't think, I mean, I think if I was still working a full-time job that I didn't enjoy, it would have been much lower. I love what I do with occupational in terms of like my job. So it was still a high score, but I think I, what I really took away from the conference is, is I was challenged in a way I haven't been challenged in a long time. Mm. And by that, I have a lot going on, as to you, as does everyone, and I'm doing really, really well. One of the um, executive coaches there who I was talking with, she described it as an avalanche of abundance, mm -hmm. which is like a great problem to have, right? Like, I'm not going to complain about it. It's an amazing problem to have, and I have all the things, and I'm very happy. But I think I haven't really pushed it all on the business stuff. I've just kind of been resting, but I'm not tired. I'm ready to push. Does that make any sense? <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is I could be trying a lot harder. That's it. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think so. I think that I'm not really trying and I'm telling myself I'm trying, but I'm not. Uh, so I'm going to start trying. So what does trying look like to you? There's a couple really specific things. I think there's a lot of personal stuff wrapped up in here too. Like something I took away was like identity. For example, I mm. have this this interesting – yeah, you and Rosie talked about identity on the podcast. Um, mine's a little different. 
in that my children get out of school at 2.30 in the afternoon. I thought I was going to try, you know, I'll pick them up at 2.30, we'll come home and they'll do their homework and I'll continue to work. And that, that setup, like from a very practical perspective, like what can I practically do in the next 90 days? That setup is not working because I hate stopping work at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Like that's just, you know, you're in the middle of something. I pick them up and they need to be supervised. Like they can't just be free. We don't have a backyard here. Um, so they need to be supervised wherever they are. We live in California, so I want them to be outside. So it wasn't that I was picking them up and having super quality time with them. It was, I was picking them up. We were going to the playground and I was just hanging out at the playground, Mm -hmm. like very practically speaking. So practically speaking, that doesn't have to be me. That can be another person doing that. And so I can get more of a deep work in my work day. And so I hired after-school childcare. I found a nanny. She's lovely. She's already started on Monday. And this week has been really great. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing. And the thing is I, you know, I was really worried about upsetting the balance of my happy family life, children, marriage with working more, but that's a fake fear because first of all, if, if something starts to get gnarly and I start to upset the balance, I can always change what I'm doing. And second of all, the kids are at the age, as I said, where they just want to play on the playground. They're not, we're not like having some amazing bonding experience after school. I give them a snack. We go to the playground. Does anyone have amazing bonding experiences after school? school. I feel like our, like our daughter gets home and she's just so tired. Like that even like playing a board game is like, yeah, they just want to do, they, I mean, my kids just want to play with their friends, right? They just want to do their thing. So So the two very actionable things, I feel like I'm ready to push again. I think when I was learning to code, building up my kind of reputation as a Rails developer, you and I talked a little bit about this offline. Like I worked all the time and it was hard. And then I rested for like four years. Like I just, and it was, it was worth it. That year or two, however, it was probably two years of like really intense work was worth it to have the four or five years of just getting paid a lot of money and, and doing good work, but like mostly being chill. And I feel like I'm ready to push again is what I'm trying to say with all these words. And to do that, I see that as working, you know, I'm at my desk seven early, like I get here early. So working a long day and then I'm picking two nights a week to work and I'm going to set those up with my spouse beforehand. So there's no, there's no bitterness or upsetness where I'm like, oh, I got to work tonight. Oh, I got to work tonight. And he wants to hang out. So we've set aside two nights a week. I'm going to work and we're going to do this for a month or two and see See if I can move the needle on things. Just kind of like test it out. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's my life. I can do whatever I want. So I'm going to try it out. (laughs) I'm going to try. I think I've been scared to try. That's the truth. I've been scared Mm. to try. Um, Why have I been scared to try? I'm not quite sure, but it doesn't matter. That's what I've, so I'm going to change that up and commit to working more. That's my goal. I feel like one of the talks that you, I think you maybe said was the best one that I actually missed was oh, yeah. one on fear. Right? I love like, this one. Do we Wait, want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, I'd love to. Okay, so this is uh, Itamar's talk. And yeah. he is an executive coach. And he talked about, so, and I don't like personal development. Like, I don't read self-help books. Like, I kind of roll my eyes at that whole area of study. So I just we're so opposite. Get- <laughs> like I have like piles of like 
books on on you know you're you're talking to the person with piles of books on like empathy and boundaries yeah, no. and like all these kinds of things. I don't read that. I read your book because I love you, but um, generally speaking, that's not my jam. So, so I went into this talk with low expectations. Not that I thought he would be, you know, not a good speaker, but just like, okay, I'm not going to get anything out of this. And you know, he talked about fear, which everyone talks about, but I thought he was going to get up there and say, oh, you have a fear of failure. Yeah. Everyone has a fear of failure. We get it. That is not what he said. He got up there and he talked about three fears. The first core fear being uncertainty. And as founders, that's applicable to us because we become control freaks and we won't hire. Oh, I'm giving you eyeballs. <laughs> I see. I see those eyeballs. I, you eyeballs. I, oh. Hey, you know what? But one of the breakthroughs I had, I'm just just saying this in yeah. uh, David's workshop on, we should yeah. really use people's last names because they were so good. Yeah. So um, but now I feel like, you know, you just know them. So it was, anyway, so um, David's workshop on um, like personal mission statements, which you also don't believe in. <laughs> True. And I, I was like, I've had a personal mission statement for 15 years, but also apparently never told anyone. Um, but like doing that exercise with him where I crystallized the thought that I am building a business, not an organization. And yeah. at this point in my life, I, I don't have the mental energy to, to run an organization. I love running a business, but dealing with like people, politics and all of that like I mean a lot of the stuff that like Rosie talked about about hiring and people management like I just I mean with just managing like the people in my own house is kind of the level of management that I'm like capable of um anyway yes uh not hiring so the, yeah. that was the fear of uncertainty right? well I mean there were other things in that but just generally with what we do um there's so much uncertainty and that is also a core fear. So that's something you really have to learn to manage. Mm -hmm. And I think what you just said about David, David, David's workshop is really good because you, you realize that for yourself and you've kind of always known that, but I don't know if you verbalized it or crystallized it before in that. No, point, in I that don't way. think I did. That workshop was awesome. Like, yeah, I loved David's too. David Sherry. Yes. Everyone. Yes. Um, I love David. So as well. good. Yeah. It was basically like, um, People who are familiar with jobs to be done or who Google things about jobs to be done. Um, <laughs> the, there's like the forces diagram working through the different like pushes and pulls and anxieties and fears that someone has that keeps them in a, in, in a situation from switching products. We basically applied that to like our professional lives and our companies. And it was yeah. – it was, it, was awesome. it was really good. Like I was also poo-pooing the mission statement thing, but it was good. It was really good. <laughs> I totally called you out for it. <laughs> In front of everyone. Sorry. Thanks, babe. <laughs> it's fine. We were like a group of friends by that point. It didn't feel awkward. <laughs> it was, it yeah, fine. it was so intimate. Okay. It was so intimate. Yeah. Okay. So the second fear, so this is uh, Itamar. His second fear was worthlessness, which is a second core fear, which I think we can all kind of imposter syndrome and I'm not good enough and I think we can all identify with that on some level. And the third core fear was abandonment, which is what will people think if I fail? Um, and then he talked a little bit about the ways that we we try to deal with these fears without actually dealing with them, which is obviously a big one is numbing agents and vices, whether that's Twitter or buying things or alcohol or whatever, procrastination. 
And he also talked about the motivation fallacy, whereas if you don't actually handle these fears, you'll like so many of us have gotten in this spurt. Well, actually basically just describe this, but it's like, I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. every day. And that's cyclical. Like you can't do that forever. So you can do pushes, but eventually that motivation is going to wane unless you handle, you know, the, the root of some of these fears. So the solution to this is to minimize your fear and internal resistance. Um, and a lot of people don't do this because they're unaware that they even have those fears. And that's kind of where I was coming from. Like he said these things. I was like, oh, yeah, that that all makes total sense. But I was kind of unaware that those were going on subconsciously. Are there any of those fears that you feel like you really identify with as it relates to this whole? I think I mean, I think for me, part of the reason I haven't really wanted to push is is like I said, like I'm very blessed in my my life is really good right now. So I don't want to do anything that upsets the balance of the happiness that I feel right now. But I think a lot of that too might be abandonment. And it's not abandonment in this great big, like, I don't care what the internet people think of me, but you know, of my family, like if I'm going to work more, how is that? What, what are, what's going to happen with my relationship with my husband and my children? And those are the most important things. So I think that might've been a core fear for me. Um, yeah. Oh man. All of them, Michelle. Like, and I don't even think I would have been like, I don't have any fears. I'm fine before this talk <laughs> uncertainty. That's a big one too. Cause as, as, um, you know, as independent, as entrepreneurs, we are constantly uncertainty. I mean, it's constant uncertainty, right? Every day you're like, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Is this going to work? Is this going to work? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no one to ask. So that's a stressful thing. Like it's not a bad thing, but it is, it's kind of a constant stress. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I took away from it. And I was, I was feeling it. I was digging it. It sounds like it was an awesome talk. And I feel like I joined everyone else who wished that they had been at Founder Summit and, and having a little bit of FOMO about missing that. But at the same time, it was like right after my basically spur of the moment negotiations workshop that I had like maybe 20 minutes to plan out in my head during lunch. Um, <laughs> and I had so much adrenaline after that, that I, yeah. I got through the next talk, which was a great panel on sales for founders. But I like, I had so much adrenaline, I couldn't sit still. And I was like, I just like, I have, I have to go like walk, like I need to like walk back to the hotel. Um, yeah. And ended up like walking back with some other some other people and it was like a half hour walk and I just like really needed that because I was like jumping out of my skin with energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you did a great job. I loved your negotiation talk. I learned a lot out of that too. I don't know if I told you that. Oh, yeah. So it was interesting because you set us up to do the sample negotiation. It's one thing to talk about negotiation. I think it's another thing to do it. So let's give a quick, re I'll give a quick recap. You basically set us up where we were the person who lived under the person who was a piano player and the piano player wanted to play his piano every night at 10 PM. And we had little children and we wanted him not to play his piano every night at 10 PM. And so I'm talking to um, the person I'm paired up with and he's talking about playing his piano. And I immediately just got so angry. And like, I'm not really an angry person. And I like in my head, like I can, he I can see my, my mental energy, like rolling my eyes, like, oh my God, he was pretending to be like 20, right? He was not actually 20, but, um, you know, just mentally rolling my eyes at like, oh my God, millennials, give me a break. Stop playing your piano. You're such a 
anyway, yeah. So that was really um, enlightening for me because I think I pride myself on like being very good at having self awareness about my emotions and controlling my emotions. And like, I could not. I almost rolled my eyes at him. So it was good. <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, the sort of setup was it, which actually that that activity we did it in my Danish class, and I was like, this is a great negotiation. Like it wasn't the purpose of it, but um, was you know you have one person who's a music student who can because of their schedule they can only practice at ten o'clock at night, but per the apartment building rules they don't have to be quiet until eleven, and then you were the parent whose children are getting woken up, um, and and then you you all had to like talk through it. Um, it was, it was really fun. And I think after that, I had a couple of people be like, Oh, so like, is this your next book? And like, um, and like, no, cause I'm taking care of my personal health, <laughs> not ready to write another book, but okay. That was not the answer I gave, but it probably <laughs> like, Maybe. should have been. <laughs> Why not? Um, no, I mean, like I started working with teaching people about customer interviews and customer research, like four years ago like because like my friends and I ran a jobs be done meetup in DC um and I started talking to other founders about it and stuff like that so I like before I ever sat down to write I not only had you know years of like personal experience with it and personal learning and learning from other people and whatnot but also years of 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 learning how to teach other people about it and what are the common hiccups with it. Hiccups. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, what, like, like what resonates with people, like all that kind of stuff well before I ever sat down to write versus mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't think I'm nearly the same level of, of expertise in, in negotiating. Like okay. I have a lot of practice in it. I've taken classes on it. Like I, I guess that was, I don't know, I guess like three, three, four years ago now. But like that was the first time I have ever attempted to teach anyone else about negotiating. It went great. Uh, I think you did a great job. Thank you. Um, but I think I think I need a, like a lot, a lot more time before I even get to the point of of like thinking about whether that's a book or whatnot. Though I am like I did talk to other people there who are also interested in like enterprise sales and negotiating and stuff like that. Um, and so we actually will have some people on in the coming months who will, will kind of like talk more about that stuff. Cause I think that's a big part of kind of going from, you know, the sort of stage you're in, which I feel like is sort of like the under 10 K a month MRR phase going 10 to 20 is really like for me it was a lot about learning how to do sales and definitely going from like 20 to 50 like you you, I don't think I would have gotten to that point had I not had a better understanding of sales and negotiating yeah Um, okay so so I think yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna talk more about that but but no like it no book yet I still haven't even hit your like 20 podcast goal for promoting deploy empathy like you're doing well though I think I have been on quite a lot 10 or okay 12 I think I just recorded another one the other day I think yeah I just did one yesterday and then I have two scheduled nice 
Okay. I, I need to like have a spreadsheet and keep track. Yeah. Um, you could do that. I could. Yeah, that, that would make sense. Um, it's getting weirdly hard to track how many books I've sold because like Amazon online will only show me 90 days at a time. So I can't just go and like see all oh, that's weird. books sold. Like I yeah. actually, I, I, maybe I can. I don't, if somebody like knows about this, like let me know. But I'm in like the KDP reports dashboard and then the reports beta. And like, I need, looks like I might need to like do it manually or at least like by month. Um, hmm. And then, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm also starting to give some more like, like sort of private workshops with the book. Like I'm going to be speaking okay. to an MBA class tomorrow online. And a friend asked me if like I would speak to their marketing team, like do like a workshop. Sure. So we'll kind of see how that goes. I don't think I want to go too much in that direction. Like I don't want to be like, you know, selling like a day long workshop thing like we've talked yeah. about how I really don't want to do consulting right you have mentioned that a few times um <laughs> but like maybe doing a workshop and you know then they buy like 50 copies of the book you know I guess I'm cool with that yeah seems like a good um use of your time if you enjoy it yeah but I think I, I you know I think for me the big thing is like uh, what does balance even mean I mean I I don't know yeah I, I understand the question. <laughs> the, um, I think it's James Clear has this really interesting thing about the uh, how balance isn't a real... The four burners theory, the downside of work-life balance. Have you seen this? Oh, that sounds familiar okay. that like you have one burner going and then you can't have... Okay, ready? Here it goes. <laughs> four burners, like your stove. The first burner okay. represents your family. The second burner is your friends. The third burner is your health. And the fourth burner is your work. The four burners theory says that in order to be successful, you have to cut off one of your burners. And in order to be really successful, you have to cut off two. Anyway, he has a whole article about it. It's an interesting, interesting idea. But the idea is there isn't a real thing such as balance. There are times where you shift your focus. Like, for example, you, this would be a good time for you to shift your focus from work because you've been working so much for six, 10 years to maybe health or whatever it would be. Right. And maybe mm -hmm. it's time for me to shift my focus back to work. But the idea is it's like, you really can't have balance. It's a lie. You can mm -hmm. just have, you know, areas that are shifting in priorities. I can't have everything on five. Right. Right. Exactly. You can't yeah. have everything on five. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting and it kind of makes us all of us who are so hard trying to find balance a little bit better. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. This sounds about right. This seems reasonable. Yeah, I guess I mean he's the habits guy, right? Like he atomic, is the habits guy. Yeah, yeah. So I I guess I need to finally read that book. Um, so you're so so that's our ninety day plan, right? So you're gonna yeah. You've got Mine's your nanny now. I mean, I guess you've got your plan in action. I'm in action, and babe. I'm gonna continue marinating and read a book <laughs> my god it sounded like you you were like i'm gonna read more about this and think more about it <laughs> i do you do sound like and i was like i'm gonna do this now like already done i i have it i did it before i talked to you like <laughs> yeah what even is happening i know right it's good though right because we both have it's it's good it's i balance. think it'll be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm already in action. I've already posted more content and I am making a video tutorial page and 
I'm, I'm doing all kinds of things. Um, and I, Oh, the other thing I really got out of it, Michelle was, um, a real focus thinking more long-term. So I think one of the things is we met a lot of people who have been running their businesses. I mean, I know you're kind of in this group, but have been running their businesses for many, many years. And there were many people I met who aren't really trying to have some big exit. Like they want to build a sustainable business that they can work on for as long as they want. And so that really helped me focus in terms of like thinking about where I want to spend my time and my energy and what I want my long-term outlook from like for my career to look like. So I found that to be really beneficial. Was there any like insights that you, you feel like are. Yeah. I think this point what I found is, so I told you, I'm going to, I'm really going to push on simple file upvote, simple file upload for the next three months. Simple file um, upvote. That sounds interesting. <laughs> vote. Uh, for the next couple months to kind of see what I can do with that if I really work at it. But I think long-term, I am more interested in pursuing the opportunity, like really leaning into what, to the Hammerstone team. Because when I think of the long-term business I want to build, I can't think of anything better than doing really technically challenging work with my friends. Mm -hmm. Like I love, as we've talked about when I joined Hammerstone, like I love having coworkers or (laughs) co-founders. And that's that's really where I want to go. Right now I'm doing okay splitting my time, but that's not sustainable in the long term. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what that looks like in a year, but it looks like my focus being more on Hammerstone, I think. Something else we talked about was, you know, the fact that you, like you guys are funded for a year. Um, and like the fact that you are funded for a year made you feel like you, you can take a year to get some stuff done and how you can get more than that done in a year too. So Jimmy from Manal got up there talking about, this was a founder summit about how to sell something that doesn't exist. Now his product is very specific and it was very targeted. It was, you know, targeted to a very specific group of people. But I am not doing, and so I don't have the Rails component for this query builder that I'm building with Hammerstone, but I also haven't really been doing anything to get the word out about it. And so, yeah, we're funded for a year and I feel like the work is filling the time allotted and the work doesn't necessarily need to fill the time allotted. I think I could be a little more efficient um, and a little more focused. Not that I'm not focused, just there's more I could be doing on the Hammerstone side that I'm not. And so it really kind of opened my eyes to like, there's a lot of other opportunities here. You could get a content machine going now, even if you can't sell it for six months, I could be writing articles about all this really interesting sequel stuff I'm doing, whatever it may be. Point being like, there's, there's things I can put in place earlier. Um, you know, as, as I build this component. You know, hearing you talk about like it being time to push, it almost, I feel like you're conceptualizing it as like this like switch you can flick like that like okay now like now you're gonna push like do you feel like that is how it's gonna work so I don't know but a little bit like let's go back to simple file upload I've been a little bit mopey about it and what should I do what should I do on Monday like I knew exactly what to do right? It's like, I haven't been really trusting my own intuition here. Mm. I've been asking for permission or advice. Um, Mm. and these are all good things. Advice is good, but why am I asking people for like, I want someone to say, that's a good idea, Colleen, you should do that. No, I don't need that. It's my business. I get to do whatever the hell I want with it. So, you know, people like you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't. I'm like, okay, I appreciate everyone's advice and I, and I solicit it, but also, 
I think I, I, you know, I just really, it's a very small product still. Like I'm just going to go with my gut and I'm just going to do what I think is best. And I haven't really been doing that because I have been so careful about overworking myself, I guess. And so I feel like that, that, I mean, that comes back to that, like fear that we talked about, like waiting for somebody else to say that your plan of action, your idea, right. whatever, your decision good. was yes. a good one, yes. which is a subjective opinion to assuage your fear that yes. it was and, – and, totally. and, and is that like, you know, uncertainty about the, about the decision or, or all these other things? I don't know. Yeah. No, totally. I think for me, I'm really worried about making a decision that is – going to be a waste of time. That's what it's mm-hmm. about because my time feels so, so, so limited. So I'm like, should I write this article? Is this article worth writing? Like if it's going to take me three hours to write it, is that going to be worth it? Right. I just wrote the freaking article on the airplane home from Mexico. Oh, while I was stuck in DFW for 12 hours and then, <laughs> and then flew to a different city and then bust to my city that I actually live in. The crazy thing the is it both took both of us 14 hours to get home, yet I went across like two continents Oh my goodness. But also yeah. it was a bazillion times worth it to travel 14 hours to and from to be there. And I think something else, uh, speaking of Founders Conf being amazing, um, the quality of everything was just so much better than your typical tech conference. Oh my God. Yeah. Everything was better. The food was amazing. The venue, like I loved how, I mean, you were saying how like a lot of conferences, you're just in the hotel and we yeah. were like out and about in the city. Like everything was all that. over the city and it was such a cool city too. And I feel like we really got to experience like culture and, and just in a way that, yeah, you're, you're not just like stuck in a hotel ballroom for three days. Like, okay. So this is not a dig. Cause I love rails conf, but I remember it was the last rails conf I went to before COVID. They're like, Oh, it's in Minneapolis. Minneapolis is a, a great city. Blah, 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 blah. Literally you stay in the hotel and then you walk through the breezeway to the ballroom. You never go outside like ever. <laughs> And point being like, yeah, of course you can go outside, but, but all of the activities are like, you, you never leave You don't ever have to leave the hotel. And so I loved how Founders Comp really made an effort to get local venues, um, support, you know, local businesses and actually see Mexico city. Loved it. I, I really, really hope they have it in Mexico city next year. Like, dude, I hope we get to get, get in because there's going to be freaking, everyone is going to want to go. It's going to yeah. be like the fight to the death to who gets to go. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, I think, um, I think that about wraps up our recap though. I feel like we're going to be talking about this and like, oh yeah. So many learnings it for, for a long time. Yeah. So many now. learnings. And also we having, uh, people come on the show who we met uh at founder summit um and know and know through founder summit too um because there's also the the online community which you should totally be in a mastermind group by the way like, yeah i'm thinking about that like i i i think that's probably a valuable thing i'll probably do that i um, think so and i think that would help yeah. with your like should i do this and then people being like yeah and you're like yeah just okay do it. I feel like a lot of this is just trusting your gut, which I'm usually pretty good at, but like with the business, since it's all new, like I just haven't really just been doing what I think is best. Like I said, I've been asking permission just to random people, which is kind of weird um, because I don't want to make a huge misstep. But the truth is all of these things, none of them are going to be huge missteps and they can all be changed if it's a bad decision. So, Mm -hmm. so that's really this week I've been crushing some life by, by work, work, 
is what I mean by that. Like I've just been like, <laughs> I've been all, I've just been like really crushing it and it feels great. So it's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, so next week, um, I interviewed Matt Wensing. Um, super fun. Um, so then we will chat again in two weeks. Sounds great. Talk to you then. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Room Steals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.